Hey up everyone, welcome to episode 4 of Yorkshire Gamers, a REIT Big War Games podcast. And uh, before we go to the interview with Colin Ashton, um, talking about uh, lockdown wargaming, big style, um, there's a few bits of housekeeping to deal with, um, as we, uh, we did in the previous episode. Um, if you're looking for the results of the prize from the previous podcast, I'm going to do that in the outro. Um, so uh, you can either listen to everything all the way through or sneak to the end and find out whether you win the book or not. Um, so um, we are recording this on the 9th of April. 2021 in the early hours of the morning. Um, I had my COVID jab a couple of weeks ago and it's all gone a bit pear-shaped to be honest and I've been quite poorly as as a result of it but we're on the better side of it now. So um, first thing I want to say is once again thank you very much to everyone who listens and follows the podcast. We had our 1000th download last uh, week um, and with only three full episodes I'm, I'm more than happy with that and with the additional listens on YouTube uh, we're up to two and a half thousand which for uh, a very young podcast uh, is uh, is uh, very good. I, I'm talking young in terms of uh, length of um, broadcasting rather than the age of the owner. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, as I said at the start of these uh, podcasts, I was going to make a decision towards the end of um, the initial run of five episodes and you will be glad or otherwise to know that I've decided to carry on with them and um, it's got to the point where um, I've, there's an audience out there and I can clearly see that from, from the figures we were just talking about a minute ago and um, there's another thing as well and that's brass. Um, <laughs> It's uh, as an adopted Yorkshireman, I um, I've become very very tight with my money, and I started doing this on a free um, podcast program uh, with Podbean, and they allow you to do so many hours etc. for free, and then um, it gets to the point where you where you need to sign up, and I've got and gone past that point, so I've now signed up to Podbean for one year. Um, so we have got this podcast, or you have got this podcast, for at least a year to go. So uh, I hope you're glad to hear that. Um, carry on as we've been doing, get getting guests on, talking about big games, talking about what people will probably call old school gaming, but that's my gaming, so that's what I'm going to talk about. And um, I've got some... Uh, I've got guests signed up now for episodes 6 and 7 and uh, I've got a big long list uh, as well. I've probably, if I, if I did an episode every three weeks um, then I've got enough uh, guest ideas to take me well into the middle of next year which is good news and um, I've not decided on a release schedule as yet. It's most likely going to be once every three weeks um, approximately but I've not fully decided on that so we'll see how we go. And then the final thing I want to talk to you about before we go to the interview is uh, sound quality and um, on the first episode, in the pilot episode, I used a really cheap microphone headset and um, it worked fine, uh, but it was just a little bit tinny, I thought. Um, so I invested in a um, 
a better quality headset and microphone and um, although the sound quality was considerably better it was a little bit too good because it was picking my breath up uh, when other people were talking so um, I'm working on that um, I'm, I've never said that I was going to be a sound engineer um, so please bear with me while I try and get uh, the sound quality as good as I can so that's the uh, housekeeping done so grab yourself a good old big mug of Yorkshire tea sit yourself down in a chair and let's listen to the interview Hello ladies and gentlemen and uh, welcome to what is episode four, episode four of Yorkshire Gamers Reet Big War Games podcast and today our guest is Colin Ashton and Colin is a proper old school war gamer. Uh, he's got large collections of figin- figures which are all in um, the proper scale of 28mm. Uh, and he runs the excellent Carryings on Up the Dale blog, which has got lots and lots of lovely pictures of those figures if you want to go and have a look. Um, he's got his own home set up and uh, he's continued to do the big game throughout lockdown. And uh, hopefully he'll share some of those secrets of the, the virtual big game later on in the show. So uh, welcome, uh, Colin. Hello. Hi, Ken. And um, have you been on a podcast before, Colin? Never. Never. No. Oh, excellent. We, we, we seem to be uh, quite good at getting podcast virgins on this <laughs> on this show. You, you, you're not the first one who's not done a show before. Uh, so you have had a listen to one of the episodes, though, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Ah, good. So you'll have a, uh, an idea of what's going to what's going to hit you first. Uh, and that's the uh, that's the four minute challenge. So. Um, if you could give us um, just a, a, a rough idea, if you can, in four minutes, of a bit of a summary of, of your wargaming history, if that's okay. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I'll, I'll start you off now with my little timer, and you'll hear the countdown music at the end when you're coming towards the four minutes. Okay. So off you go. Right. Well, I suppose like everybody of my age, being early 60s, Airfix was the thing that we sort of grew up with. Um, and sort of like throughout my sort of seven, eight, nine, ten, before I went to senior school, um, it was Airfix figures just playing on the floor with my mates. Um, then when I went to um, senior school, um, got in with some other guys who were also sort of like a bit more into wargaming. And there was also um, where I lived at the time in St. Anne's on Sea, there was a, a, a model shop that did lots of war games figures as well and they were all um hint and unpainted figures painted up themselves um and so and he opened up the upstairs of his shop which was just empty for us and so we there were about five or six of us so we were playing on the floor with the terrain all chalked on using thousands of painted hint and done figures that would belong to the guy that john that ran the shop plus some of the other lads we were all sort of like the same age, 11, 12, 13, so it was quite awe-inspiring, really, um, shoving all these figures around, individually based, if they were based, even. Um, sadly, uh, I had to move to Durham when uh, my dad got a job in Durham. Uh, I had to go with him, I was only 12, and um, straight away managed to join the group in Durham, which was in January 1972. Um, and it was run by 
sort of like the War Games Godfather of the Northeast at that time, in the nicest possible way, because um, he got loads of people into it. Derek Sharman, yeah, uh, War Games then on in Durham and everything. Um, so we used to meet in his in his parents' house on a Thursday night, crammed around a six by eight table, loads of us, um, a bit, a bit, um, and then um, I was I was allowed to join the group. Um, they then added a rule to the group saying that no one could join who was younger than me. All oh, right, <laughs> you were the last one through the door. And that was possibly on the on the statute books for a very long time. And I've been, I was a member for a very long time and prop, and still am, um, although I had the odd hiatus when I dropped out. Um, but it used to be regular, you know, Thursday nights at the Durham Club. We got older. I never really had any money. I had plenty of time. Um, as was the case when, you know, just working to, well, just working basically. Um, so I didn't have much in the way of collections of figures. First time I ever had the Carthaginians in 25 mil, um, which was one of the two comedy armies of the ancient period, the other being Persians. Mm. Um, and um, the years moved on, um, ended up being um, up the dale. Yeah. Had my own place and started hosting war games with my mates because it was easier than going down to Durham yep. and I've run out of time <laughs> it's nearly there it's nearly there yeah. Yeah. so I mean like everybody else it was the same probably the same old um, introduction to the hobby um, and I just sort of 50 years later I'm still doing it brilliant brilliant <laughs> And uh, D.I. Regan there telling us to shut it at the end of the four minutes. Well, that's okay. brilliant, Colin. Um, it's, uh, as you say, it's a very similar um, method into the to the hobby to many people uh, uh, of a similar age. Um, if you don't mind me asking, just roughly what sort of bracket of, of an age are you? Um, I'm 63 in two weeks' time. Right, so you're about... About 10 years older than myself then. Um, so you would have been in that. <laughs> so um, you've, you, you mentioned um, uh, a setup at home now that um, is your regular war game in the haunt as opposed to a club. Um, yeah. Just just describe to everyone what, um, what sort of a setup you've got at home then. Um, yeah, well, as anyone has seen on my blog, I've, we, we when we moved out of the Dale um, about three years ago, um, back into civilization. Um, the house we're moving into, we had a lot of work do, done to it. And that, and the, the deal breaker was having a, a bigger games room than the one I had up at our old house. Yeah. And so I've got a 15 by 26 foot long room. Yeah. It was built. Um, and there's a 13 and a half by six table in there, which can extend by another foot each way if necessary mm. um with sort of um skylights for the lighting and it's, it's very well lit anyway it was purpose-built so i mean it was it had to, it had to meet my spec so and then i started you know just running games with having mates around either for like one-on-one -on -one or um various members of the durham club and other friends i know um in the teesside area so, so you're still you're still up in the northeast then? Still in the northeast, yeah, in Middlesbrough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's um, it works well because I mean I, I probably it, it's a bit 
it's a bit of a hassle to get to the club in Durham. Um, so um, I go through, if I can catch a lift off one of my mates that lives around the corner. Um, but apart from that, it's far easier for people to come to me and they want to come to me. Yeah. Um, and there was a point where I would have a game, you know, host a really big game, you know, six, seven, eight players um, at home every Saturday. Yeah. And occasionally in the week, you know, being retired, got that, got that luxury as well. And so you know, the Brewers were the, became the, the regular War Games opponents. Brilliant. And that was that was that um, was that room part of the house, Colin, or did, did you have that built on? It was built on. Ah, um, right. So everything yeah. everything was to spec rather than here's a big yes. room. Let's. Uh, that, yeah, well, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, it was. Uh, the house was the 1930s of some um, detached property that hadn't had any work done to it for a long time, um, and so we were in a position to renovate it. Um, and you thought, I, I know what this house needs. It needs a huge war game room. Well, I mean, I had the garage <laughs> converted in, um, in, in, Dur- in Dales. I had yeah. the garage converted, which was, was fine, but it was a bit cold in the winter and yeah. cramped. Um, and I can say that with a smile on my face because this room, it being probably three or four times bigger, is also now cramped. So but I've, cramped but warmer. It's a lot warmer. I've got underfloor <laughs> heating. I I remember years ago playing in a a friend's uh, garage and um, I think it was colder than the Russian front in there it was it was shocking so having um, heat in the war game through uh, a requirement I think as one gets older yeah it is and I've got uh, and we're next door to the kitchen so handy for the perfect it works fine so I mean I'm happy you know my wife is very happy that I spend as long as I wanted here yeah Uh, she knows where I am. My my wife's very much the same. I'm I'm not down the pub ch- chasing loose women. That's how, that's what she says. Walk with the aid of a stick. So I can't chase any. You have to be very loose for me. To- Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I've I've had a I've had a look through your um through your your blog, uh, carryings on up the dale. Uh, that's been going for quite a long time. I think is it ten years plus. Two thousand and ten was the first blog. It was a it was the first posting. It was a I think it was a Russian Civil War thing. Yeah. And what was it that uh, got you to start a blog? Well, I, I was just, I was, I was at that point, I was reading a lot of other people's blogs. Mm. And I thought I was thinking about it. Um, at, that, at that time, I was playing with, um, up, up there, up in the Dales with my mates, mm. John and Robbie, who were like the independent war games club, who you may or may not know. Um, is that Robbie Roddis? Robbie Roddis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Robbie started a blog, and so I thought, oh, that's 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 a good idea. Mm. So I started one. I did one as well, just for just to cover the games that I was hosting. Um, yeah. One of the one of the big things on there, you've got a you've got a page that's dedicated to uh, your figure collections, and you've got quite a few. Looking at that. I've got far, far too many. <laughs> is there such a thing as far too many? I, I, I often say. You can never have somebody, it's in that um, Acton, Acton, whatever it is, book that I buy. Yeah. Uh, Harry, what's his name? It can never have too much of something you don't need in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have, yeah. have you um, have you counted up your figures? Do you know how many you've got? Um, I know how many I've got, but I haven't counted them all yet. 
<clears throat> I've been slowly updating the inventory. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've got up to the low 20,000s. Yeah. And I've still got some stuff, some things to add. And they're all in 28 mil. So, I mean, I've probably got 25,000 figures. I don't know. Mm. Something like that. Because that, that's something that happened to me. I was being interviewed on a podcast and um, um, by a lad called Chris Breeze, and 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 he asked me how many figures I had, and I literally didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went away and um, through the haze of uh, some malt whiskey, I, I started counting, and luckily I wrote it down so I could remember the number the next day, yeah. and yeah. carried on from there. But that, that's yeah. a that's a mighty impressive uh, amount of figures, uh, Colin. Twenty thousand, very definitely. I've got a piece of software that there's, there's a there's, there's a found somewhere where you can actually um, do a inventory of everything. Oh, is it like a, well, it's not commercial, but it's on the on the internet. I think I've seen. Does it? Yeah, yeah. Does it does like an insurance quote for you as well? That's right, yeah, insurance things, yeah. Mm. Um, and um, that was quite sobering, you know, when I realised how much it appeared to be worth. Yeah, it, you know? yeah, and I could, very um... very conservative prices as well that they put on the. Allow on the uh, um, on their calculator as well. Yeah, I think if you went to a professional painter and and got somebody to do them to the same sort of standard as your collection, then it would it would be a lot more than that um, initial. I'll be, be long dead before they finish. <laughs> so, so what what's um, just give us some of the highlights of those collections, then, Colin? What are your what are your big periods? My big period was all was was always um, 18th century. Mm. Uh, that's the the main one, Seven Years' War, primarily War of Austrian Succession. Um, I seem to be creeping further back towards 1700, though, because um, I started doing um, War of Spanish Succession as well. But essentially, Seven Years' War, and I've got everybody, that, all the armies, that everyone that ever fought in it, I think, just about. Um, I've got all the main protagonists. Um, uh, have you concentrated on both the Prussian Frederick the Great side of it and the um, sort of the British Minden yeah, side of I've it got, as well? I've got the yeah Prus Frederick and, and the Prussians against the Austrians and the Russians in the east, and then I've got sort of British Hanoverian Hessian Brunswicker against with some Prussians against um, Reich's army Saxon. You name it, you know, French, of course. Um, and uh, it just snowballed. It was only ever meant to be a small project. <laughs> it's always that way. Always yeah. that way. Yeah. And what's... What, what, yeah. Oh, well, he's got he's got a lot to to, to yeah. um, answer. Yeah, my, he was the one who um, started my Italian Wars collection, which I think you're big into as well, aren't you, Colin? He, um, he's got a website that... Uh, I think it's Bronzo's Guns or something, it, purely on his build for um, Cesare Borgia's army. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I followed that, and that just led me down the garden path. And here I am, a thousand figures later. And yeah. <laughs> so, so what, um, what's your Italian Wars collection then, Colin? What have you got for that? Um, I've got um, Swiss, French, Spanish... Papal Venetian, hmm. and a few odds and sods in between as well. And do you, have a, do, you have a, do you have a chosen rule set for for that and the Seven Years' War? I've got to mention that for the Seven well, Years' War. Well, for, for um, 
because the Italian Wars collection was had its sort of genesis during lockdown one, mm. uh, I've not never I've not played particularly with anybody, and so the rule the rules of choice have always been ones that have been e easier to actually manage as yeah. the host running a game remotely. So that so I tend to stick with um, sort of Pike and Shot and Black yeah. Pad, but I seriously do my own thing in terms of customizing them to what I think is right. Yeah. I don't do I don't do the vanilla version that um, you get in the books. Um, Honors of War is what I would choose to use in Seven Years War if yeah. I was actually across the table from somebody. Um, purely for, as I say, it's kind of my you know it's my my version of Pike and Shot or, or Black Powder with, with various house rules in. I do sort my own stats out depending on how I think they should be. Hmm. So to give a good game, really. Have you, have you seen the website, uh, James Roach's website, Olacani? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's done a lot of work, hasn't he, for Pike and Shot with um, stats, stat lines and stuff for for those rules. He did, and then he's moved on to pick it or something. P yeah, PK, I went round to, he, he's not far away from me, and I went round to his house a um, couple, of, couple of years ago now and had a game of the PK rules, um, and, and very enjoyable they were too, but I'd, I'd noticed he'd, he'd flitted between bike and shot on those over the years. Yeah, but they do, they, they suit they suit me when, because normally, you know, there's what was the, the old normal, half a dozen or so people around the table playing a game, and... You know, we start at half ten in the morning on a Saturday, and we'd want to finish, yeah, at four o'clock. And so, allowing for lunch and everything, we want you know it was something that would flow and was easy. Everybody knows that stable of rules, even if they don't necessarily like them. They're kind of everybody's second or third favourite. Yeah. So by virtue of that, they kind of filter up to the top as being the usual. I mean, I've I've looked at um, not so much for Seven Years War because I mean there aren't that many alternatives that. Don't give me a headache, apart from Honours of War. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I've looked at Furioso. Yeah. Um, I've looked at... Um, there was another set of rules I looked at as well. I even looked at the old research group set of rules. The, but, the, the George Gush ones. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, uh, I looked at them and my head started spinning. And um, I remember playing them quite a lot when I first started gaming. So um, I don't know if my brain stopped working over the years, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't grasp it anymore. No, I think it is a matter of I can't quite understand them these days. Mm. So, yeah, it was it's easy play really at the minute. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like everyone. I've got 97 sets of rules on the shelf that I've never used. <laughs> and use all the time. Yeah, um, I think I think we all have that somewhere. Yeah. I think what one thing that I did did stick out in your in your collections that we, we've not mentioned, there was a couple of of them that had sold next to them. Um, yeah. yeah. Have, have you offloaded some stuff over the years, or is that fairly recently? Um, the 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 collection that I've got now um, kind of started within the last twenty six years. How old was my daughter? <laughs> I, went, I went back. I went back to twenty eight mil. Yeah. About the time my daughter was born. Um, prior to that, I'd gone down from 15s to 6s and then nothing at all because I was happy with what I had mm. but then I was able to you know go into 28 mil with uh, with, uh, with the 70s water to start with but I've 
so I had previously sold everything I'd ever had, um, but in terms of you know selling one lot of stuff to um, fund the next project, whereas now um, I sold the ACW collection because much as it was very very nice, much as I enjoyed having it and using it and everything, um, I had bought it myself off um, another war gamer. Um, Paul Stevenson okay. so um, I didn't really love it you know yeah so um, I just had the opportunity to sell it in its entirety to a friend a friend of mine who could afford it who lives in Switzerland so um, oh if he lives in Switzerland he'll be able to afford it then. yeah <laughs> so that was um, and I'd previously sold him a load of six mil stuff several years prior to that as yeah. well so, it was um, it was great. So I, I sold sold in those. Um, I sold my American Revolution collection because I've done it. I've done it to death, basically. Yeah. Um, and would do it differently now if I did it again. Um, that was the same guy, actually. Um, <laughs> You're feeding his feeding his hobby. Yeah, and then the, I had Russian Civil War in 28 mil, mm. um, and again I just got a bit bored of it really and it didn't fit in with my idea of big war games yeah so um that went to some guy in albuquerque so they went with snow and the boots <laughs> so, so you, you did mention there that you, you'd gone you've, you've kind of gone up and down the scales over the years yeah. um and um i think i read on 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 your blog that you've now settled 28 mil you've got no other scales um yeah is there any sorry i do have some i'm doing some 172 scale war of spanish succession figures because the new yeah. whatever they are yeah ones are really quite nice even though they're a nightmare to paint i think um, you've been you've been tempted down a scale yeah yeah well only because of um economy of economy of scale and and everything yeah, and it's kind of a group project. We're all doing a few. Uh, it's often easier that way when you've got a, yeah. a group of people doing stuff yeah. together. Um, yeah. So, what what um, what draws you to twenty eight mil? One, what draws you to that scale? Just the, the spectacle, really. Um, you can, you know, I think when you've got a, a table, a big table full of um, twenty eight mil figures, you can't go wrong. It looks really good. It really presents the hobby in a positive light. Um, and you can see them. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I think that is definitely a thing as you get older. Um, yeah. I've got some, I've got some really big six mil collections and I went back a couple of three years ago to paint some ACW, which are not particularly fancy in terms of uniform. And I did honestly struggle and I've, I've painted all my life and I've been a professional painter as well in the past. So I, I think that is a valid point as you do get older um that that's painting wise uh they're a bit of a bit of a nightmare um but that brings me neatly into my my venn diagram of wargaming have, have you uh are you aware of what venn diagrams are yeah so uh, the distant past and when i was working excellent uh, my last yeah. guess was my last guess was a historian and i got halfway through this bit and thought he's not going to know what a venn diagram is but he did yeah. bless it he did bless him that's so. what i do <laughs> So um, if I like to break things down into Wargamer, Painter, 
collector historian and yeah. everybody who's involved in this hobby those will fit together in different ways um so which, which ones of those are your preferred um and which ones are you kind of just on the edge on i prefer well in order of preference hmm. um, painting is by far the least preferable right um, not that i don't enjoy it <laughs> but it's the it, has to be tackled in a way to make it interesting yeah um the researching and collecting side is probably um a close second and then wargaming because that's the whole point really mm. um the wargaming side because that leads to everything else it leads to the social side and it leads to um ever increasing numbers of little men um, and do you paint? Do you paint yourself, Colin, or do you, do you buy? Do you buy things, or is it a mixture of the two? Um, I paint probably the majority of the of the, of the of my collection. I have painted myself. Yeah. But recent over the last two or three years, a lot of a lot of stuff has been painted by a couple of mates of mine. Uh, very reasonable prices. Oh, um, excellent. Mates rates, you know. Mates um, rates, that's what I like been, to hear. <laughs> where, where I've been um, in need of breaking the back of a particular part of the lead mountain. So I I do do that. Although um, there's one guy that did a unit for a cavalry for me um, who was then horrified next time I saw him when he see, when he's seen that I'd gloss varnish them. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I'm a gloss varnish person. That, yeah. that's, that, that is old school. That's very old yeah. school. I think, yeah. it was, I, think, I think it was satin varnish, I think, when I started, and that was like a, a, yeah. a between the two, and now everyone's very much a matte varnish, aren't they? No, not everyone. I mean, there are still some <laughs> people that cling on to the old way. <laughs> yeah, the old... No, I, it's purely... I just They're toy soldiers and Therefore, toy soldiers are shiny. Yeah, um, it's that old that old Hinton old Hinton Hunt look, isn't it? Yeah, the 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 the, the all, all the figures the same pose, all green painted bases and all um, gloss varnish. Yeah, I don't do that. I mean, I still do a lot of work on the bases, mm. um, and I do like variety in the figures, but essentially it's the it's just the, the overall look and handling as well. I mean, they were getting used you know, mm. once or twice a week in some cases, some collections, and they were starting to get a bit battered and worn out. <laughs> um, no, but So it's just, it has to be the right gloss, though. There are some glosses that are too shiny, if that's possible. Mm. Yeah. But, um, but um, yeah, as long as it's not quite satin, but a bit more than a bit shiny satin is my preferred shade but I just think I prefer it that's all because I don't I mean I don't need them to be artfully glossed in matte because the mm. painting's not that good yeah you know, it's, not, it's not collector standard it's yeah good war game standard or you know very nice but you know wouldn't win a prize standard depending on the mood or the figure more than anything else it was Humbrol satin coat yeah um and it was um uh like an oil-based humbrel that i used to put on my stuff um and that was hard as nails you could you could hit that with a chisel and it it wouldn't yeah. scratch um so it, but I've, I've i've moved on to to matte varnish myself recently and that's mostly i found due to problems with photographing 
yeah, I'm aware of that that issue. Yeah, yeah, you can get a lot of shine back off. Um, you need a um, not completely dull, but more or less as dull as you can get without it looking, you know, taken yeah. away from the figure to get a decent photograph of it. Yeah, but I've managed a few decent pictures over the years. No, yeah, I have to say you've not done bad. You've not done bad. <laughs> Um, so just before we, we bring uh, uh, an end to this, this first section, Colin, um, I'd just like to ask people what the current project is, what are you working on at the moment? Right, my current project is an accidental project. Um, in that I'm doing, I've decided that I do some uh, late Romans, you know, sort of um, early 5th century Romans um, and some Goths. And maybe some Sassanids. Yeah. Don't know why. I always like late Romans. So, my, I mean, the army's planned out to do like Roman Civil War, of which there were many in those particular, yeah. that, that particular era. In fact, throughout the whole of the Roman period. Um, so, the idea is to get two, two late Roman armies, but different. Um, you know, one, one will have some Goths as an auxil- as, as a allied contingent. Um, but I do have a fancy to do Assassin's Army in its entirety as well at some point. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's, it's not something I've really done. I'm, I, I, my ancients kind of, it's early, earlier, sort of Punic Wars and Macedonian before it. Um, is that when we've got two Roman empires, Eastern and the Western? Is it around that time? It just, it's as that happens. It's right. that time, yeah. 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 yeah, and um, what's the what's the main unit types? Is that cataphracts and um, is it the, the kitchen sink Roman M- the infantry? You've got darts and spears and yes, um, and, and everything. Marcobardubli <laughs> and yeah, so it's it, yeah, it's the kitchen sink Roman infantry um, um, with a few cataphracts, but mainly. Um, just heavy, heavy cavalry, some light cavalry. Um, it's all very, very samey, really, by that by that period. Um, but um, but colourful for all that, and very interesting. Yeah, but, I, I remember playing a game with, against those many, many years ago, and and I just couldn't believe the amount of things that they could fire before we actually got into contact. Yeah, and whatever I had was decimated by. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not keen on that kind of idea that we've got like spears, darts, yeah, and everything in between. So I think that's far can't have been that effective, or they would have lasted a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was we were talking late '80s, early '90s when that game took place, yeah. and we were very much in the WRG sixth and seventh edition. Mm-hmm. Um, rules then, which were very equipment orientated, if I remember correctly. They were, yeah. I used to play fifth and sixth edition an awful lot back in the day. Um, so I'm I'm building up um, the late Romans. I'm doing quite well so far. Yeah. Um, and I'm also what I was planning to do this year was the War of eighteen twelve in America, North America, yeah. um, because I had a whole pile of figures that were painted and but they weren't enough for a game so I needed to get some more done so I thought I'd do that yeah um, so they kind of had to be rushed through but they're still not finished and there's quite a lot to do yet um and I'm always I'm always finishing off the odd Italian wars unit or the odd 
um, Sikh Wars unit or the odd uh, Revolutionary Wars unit, because Revolutionary Wars is probably my largest collection, mm. despite the fact that it wasn't the, the, the main one, if you like. Um, so it's always something to keep me going. But uh, as I say, at the minute, the, in theory, the main project is late Romans. I think it's, I think uh, most of us, um, and we see uh, who have the, who have large collections of big figures um, seem to always want to add a unit here and there to some of the older armies. It's something that I do all the yeah, time. Well, I know, yeah, well, if you're like me, you'll have a box full of unpainted figures, mm. but you know, uh, every, every, every army that you might have in your collection, therefore, mm. um, it's nice to dip in and get to do something different for a while after painting a couple of hundred legionaries. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Well, that, that's a nice introduction there, Colin. And um, we'll just have a quick break uh, for, for the audience and then we'll come back and we'll talk about big games. There we go, ladies and gentlemen, and we're back to our regular second part of, um, of these episodes. And that's when we talk about big games and that's what all these uh, these podcasts are back uh, are about bringing back the love and the joy um of the big game and um putting it out there for new gamers to make them aware that you can do something more than uh, 20 figures on a three foot square table so um just one just need to take one look at your website colin and uh, we can see that you're a big gamer and what would a what does a big game mean to you? Well, a big game means um, not necessarily a table full of figures, hmm. but getting on that way, um, and a nice bunch of guys to play the game with. You know, um, I like to have I like I like to organise the games so that there's half a dozen, on average, say, half a dozen people coming into play. Yeah. Um, and we're doing a lot of refights. Um, and um, they lend themselves to the to, to big games. So it, it's just a matter of the spectacle. Uh, if I'm going to organise something, I might as well organise something properly. I've got, a, you know, I've got the resources to do pretty much anything I want in terms of... Um, terrain and the size of a game so it's just a matter of it's the visual spectacle um it's no it's no good for me it doesn't really float my boat having a six by four table with you know, enough figures on it to sort of see you through a couple of hours yeah or these sort of boutique games which are very nice to figures but mm. uh, they're not really challenging enough from a hobby point of view as far as i'm concerned but like you you know we're in a we're in a lucky position of the are we worked or have worked yeah. um, and have, um, you know, in our twilight years, yeah, um, we've got to the point where we can put big games on and the prospect of putting a big game on some of these young, youngsters must be quite daunting, but it just proves what can be done. And from my point of view, it's what can be done at home, really. You know, yeah. you don't have to go to a club. I mean, everything that I do is mine. Um, we used, I used to have... Um, a couple of guys used to go to the shows and put, put demo games on again back in the 80s. Um, and that was just to showcase what we could do. 
as opposed to you know your typical club night sort of pickup game. Um, and so it's just a spectacle, and the fact that it brings so many things together in terms of people, and it gives me the chance I, I can be quite wicked in the way that I will base, I will allocate commanders to real roles depending on their their actual personalities. So dithering, dithering, dawdling. You've got you've got the right man for that job. I know exactly which to <laughs> that, and if I want someone that's going to be like a completely not a nutcase, then I know exactly who to go for there. So it just, but it is good. I mean, I have, I'm just very lucky, that's all. And I, I just enjoy doing it. And I can't see the point in doing anything. Well, sorry, there is a good point because a lot of people can't do that. But for me, with the resources I've got, um, I just go do it, you know, do it to death basically. And uh, and, and enjoy, because they don't take any longer. Mm. Um, to, to, to play than a, a small game would. I don't think really. And I remember yeah. back, you know, in the old days playing the typical WRG Ancients game. We still spend all day doing it, just two of us. So I think I, th I think we are very lucky. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and I think it's. Um, it, I think we need to share how lucky we are with people, so that people will um, aspire to a bigger game. Uh, yeah. A lot of the things that I listened to and a lot of the drive behind doing this podcast was listening to people say, oh, I've seen that big table and I can't do it. And just yeah. giving up giving up before they even started trying. Um, and I really wanted to do my tiny, tiny, tiny little bit to to try and change that mindset and to, to turn people on to the big game again and to get them thinking about, oh, maybe if we stuck another four foot on the end of this table and got some more figures and then in another two or three years stick another four foot on the end of the table mm -hmm. uh, and start to get there but one thing you did pick one thing you did um, say there Colin and, and it's something that Richard Harris picked up on as well and that's the social aspect of of the big game um yeah. I've I have to say that over the years of my big game experience uh, uh, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this I have very, very rarely come across the um, all-conquering, I-must-win wargamer um, who uh, seem to be very common in the competition games. Yes. And I think, I think big gaming is more of a social event. I don't think it's as competitive. Um, and I think um, it's more of a laughing a joke is probably the wrong way but it's more of a an enjoyable experience um what, what are your thoughts on that i agree entirely i mean the um the we 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 um i penalize very heavily um <clears throat> players who get wargamery <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> in terms of how they're playing you know playing the rules rather than the battle and the period um and it's a, an unwritten rule that um, Colin would prefer it if you play the period yeah. rather than the rules. Mm. Uh, don't manipulate the rules just because you can. You can. Um, so if people start digressing and doing things that mm. are a bit not, not not dodgy within the confines of the rules, yeah. but they would do, you know, um, yeah. then you might find all sorts of bad things happen to them. <laughs> the umpire, the umpire is God. Yeah. On, on that small table. Yeah. 
I, rem I, rem I remember a long time ago, I was watching um, a competition game at Triples. And um, the reason I was watching it will become obvious in a minute. Um, but there, was, there were two guys playing and one guy was arguing the toss about everything, absolutely everything. Mm. And it was Challenger 2 were the rules. And the, his opponent went off uh, to have a, have a P-Brock. And um, I had to point out to him that he was playing Bruce Reed Taylor. And Bruce Reed Taylor was the author of the rules. And I, I, can't, I couldn't think of a, of a more obnoxious person <laughs> to play a game against. And I just wouldn't have enjoyed it. No. no well, I, yeah. I've, I've had games spoilt. Um, where players have sort of thrown a wobbler or just sort of given up um, two or three moves in because they yeah. can't see what they can possibly win. Um, and, um, you know, never again. And so if people start complaining about the rules, they say, well, they won't get an invite again. <laughs> it's so, always always the way forward. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, I managed to, I'm, I, you know, I've got friends... Newark, um, from the Cotswolds, Fife, um, all around the northeast, depending on where people are. Um, Bat um, is it Batley, Leeds? Batley? Yeah, Batley. Yeah. Um, Bat the home, yeah. home of the Batley Frontier, one of the yeah. dangerous nightclubs in the world. Yeah. Um, and Adelaide. Wow. I mean, yeah, he organised his holiday around being able to visit me and play a game. That's fantastic. Yeah, so. that, that, you are popular if if people are coming from Australia to game with you. Yeah, and they um, and we and he take and he still takes part now. He took part in a campaign that I ran last year, yeah. sorry, before before lockdown, um, and uh, he takes part in a lot of the virtual games as well now, which means he's got to stay up till three o'clock in the morning. Finish. Wow. Well, that's dedication for you. Dedication. <laughs> if you if you um, had to be put on the spot and and try and define a big game with like table size or number of figures or scale, would that be something that you could do? Well, for me, anyway, personally, yeah, a big game's got to be you know at least twelve by six table and twenty eight yeah. mil and a proper battle. Yeah, um, you know. Properly organised sides, orders of battle. It doesn't have to be um, historical battle, but it has to look right and be based yeah. on fact, based on accuracy, and it needs to be playable. Yeah, I don't, I, uh, good point. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, I'm 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 just very happy to go with the flow and see what see what see how things pan out. Mm. Um, but I do think it needs to, you know, moving figures around the table, not quite shoulder to shoulder, but. Mm. Um, but even there, if I might digress, yeah, people sometimes say you shouldn't really have your figures running, you know, running the whole length of the table, um, which they don't really, because mm. normally sort of compress them in a bit on each side. But because of all the manoeuvring and going around the flanks, but in reality, by the time you've got to the point where you can shoot at each other, all the manoeuvring and going around the flanks will have been done anyway. Or you don't need that. Certainly in pre-gunpowder periods, um, I think. Um, and so it's just, um, I think if you get to the point, you basically, yeah, line up and work out, work out how you can best defeat your opponent based on the objectives and the challenge you, you face for that day. Um, I mean, the biggest game I put on was, uh, well, well, three actually I've done at, um, um, was it two, three, three at the battleground show in Stockton, 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. Had a eighteen foot table by six, um, and did um, Battle of Farishar in the Sikh Wars on a one battalion to one battalion basis, and then did the Battle of Zurich, which was in the French Revolutionary Wars, where the Messina uh, beat the French, beat the Russians rather. Uh, again, that was on a massive table there, and then a battle from Louis the Fourteenth's early years in against the Dutch. Atlas-Senef. Again, and these were all on massive tables. But they yeah. didn't look, and they, there were like you know several thousand figures on the table, but they didn't look big because you know the overall sort of square foot of table surface was um, was big enough to to, to uh, accommodate, for example, you know, twenty odd battalions of British and East India Company f- troops, um, and the first on the uh, the Farajahar game. So yeah, it's just. Big, colourful, spectacular. If it's at home, doesn't matter whether it's at home or whether it's at, for a walk, for a show. I mean, I only ever do the Stockton show now because it's two, literally five minutes down the road. Yeah. If that, maybe three. Um, so it's, uh, but it's just size, spectacle, colour, and but the preparation for a game, whether it's a demo game or a game at home, is very much the same, really, as far as I'm concerned. I'll and did did, did uh, when you were before you you started gaming at home and you were at the Durham Club, did they used to put all uh, games on at shows and were you involved in that? Yeah, yeah, and they still do. Uh, but when I was active in within the Durham Club, yeah, I used to, put, used to take part in games that would or contribute to games or put games on. Um, but that was when I was younger and fitter and <laughs> yeah. everything. Moving Whereas, moving games around shows is yeah. not easy. Um, I, th- I think I rem- mentioned um, in one of the episodes how we used to get up at about four o'clock in the morning and get a minibus and yeah. go around yeah. Leeds and pick everyone up. And then we would drive to Edinburgh, put a game on at Edinburgh at, um, at the show there at Claymore, and then drive back and get home at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd be asleep by, <laughs> by lunchtime now, I think. Yeah, and when it was in the originally the earlier location where there were no lifts or something. Oh, the assembly rooms in the nice. middle of town. Yeah, the nightmare. Yeah. We we did um, Lepanto, the huge um, yeah. um, trireme game, and uh, I, I remember carrying all those ships up, up and down the stairs, and yeah. I, I definitely couldn't do <laughs> I definitely couldn't do that anymore. Um, I think you've talked about the, the the joy of the big game. Is it is it something? I take it you still go to shows um, if you're not putting anything on. Oh yeah, yeah, and definitely, yeah, yeah. Is 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 that something that draws you? It draws your eye in, in a, at a show, a oh, big game. So. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the big games are the ones that um, the reasons I would. Well, apart from meeting up with mates who are also meeting up. Yeah. Um, it's very much about um, seeing what other people's ideas are. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a little bit of saying, well, well I could do that at home. Kind of <laughs> well. um, but it's just, that sounds very arrogant, but it's not meant to be. Um, no. But then the last time I went to Salute, which was three years ago, I was really disappointed. Yeah. Um, because there was nothing really that appealed at all. Um, it was a big game, I think, but it was like orcs and elves and other s- such stuff. Um, 
but the last big historical games I saw at Salute were um, the siege of somewhere in the English Civil War and um, and I think uh, oh what's his name Ron Ring, Ron Ringrose and yeah some done um put on a Ian Smith they'd done a big game Seven Years War game but um, there does there does seem to be a trend now towards um, where you, whereas in the past you would go and there you could guarantee to see um, seven or eight big games um, there does seem to be a tendency now to have smaller tables and they they are remarkably well done but um unless you get down on your knees with a magnifying glass you can't particularly see them whereas that 28 foot napoleonic game that somebody used to put on um years ago um was a wow as you see as soon as you walk through the door yeah um and i don't know whether you the the demise of the two game the two-day game show may have something to do do with that but that's something you noticed at salute was it that the the, the the big games were a lot less yeah well i'd only ever been i think i've only ever been to salute once in the 80s mm. um and there when it was in kensington i think yeah, yeah the assembly was it kensington assembly rooms or something like that, oh, something like that anyway yeah. and, and um where we put on a mexican-american war game mm. the battle of triple topic and Friend of mine had built the the monastery and everything, and so we had that as a centerpiece, and that looked really nice. But um, the, the last two, the, the next two times I went to salute um, before the um, the world ended, um, <laughs> the first the first time was great because I'd never been before, but the second time I didn't really enjoy. It. I thought this is an expensive an expensive weekend, really. Yeah. It's too far to go there and back in a day. Me anyway, mm. uh, so um, it, it, as I say, it did sort of it's an expensive weekend. We could have had a, a week, a week in uh, Ibiza for the same price. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. Um, so just just around this section off, then um, what there there are some obvious drawbacks to the big game, um, that, some of which we've touched on there. Um, what what could you say to people to try and get them to aspire to going big? Well, I think nowadays with with the resources that are available for people to buy in whatever scale they want and whether they want metal or plastic or a mixture, mixture of both, I think it's just a matter of, you know, if it's, it's possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's possible that you've got to be careful um, that you try and keep focused but it's not something that should be seen as a daunting, oh, I could never do that. Because, mm. you know, I used to look at the sort of Peter Gilder type games and think I could never do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, 40 years later, the reverse is true in terms of scale and everything. Um, so I think it's don't be frightened. You know, um, we all started off small um, and things got bigger, including yeah. waistlines. <laughs> but, um, you know and we're all you know fortunate many of us fortunate to, to have had decent decent jobs understanding other halves that's very important the understanding of the halves mm. um and, and support i get great support from my wife yeah it shouldn't be frightening it should be seen as something that it's possible for anybody it's like you know 
every general's got a marshal's baton in his knapsack. Mm. It's, you know, every wargamer could have their own wargames room if that's what they want. Yeah. It, you know, it shouldn't be seen as an impossibility. Yeah, I think I think like you say, um, when you when you see those when I saw those initial Peter Gilder games, my response was I want to do that, not I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I hope people see the likes of your stuff and my stuff on on the internet and and say that they want want to want to have a go. Um, I think um, price now as as we're in a better situation than we were certainly 10 years ago. Um, I've just completed a, an Italian allied legion for the Punic Wars in 28 mil, yeah, most, yeah. m- mostly with um, Victrix figures. Yeah. And it's less than probably 125, 150 quid for all the figures. And if I did that in metals, that would be considered probably double, at least double yeah. that. Um, so the it, it's not as expensive as people think if they... Um, just be sensible when it comes to buying figures. Yeah, and I think people that have come into the historical wargaming from, like, you know, Warhammer, mm. um, they're used to sticking things together with glue, aren't they? Yeah, uh, and and to be fair, because my, my, my lad, um, he, he, he had a dabble into wargames, uh, sorry, Warhammer 40k, and the prices of some of those miniatures, it's like, what? Like 40 quid for a single miniature. Obviously, yeah. And, I mean, um, I have to admit, in front of your, in front of you and the audience, <laughs> that I did, um, in my youth, not my youth actually, probably yeah. within the last twenty odd years, had three or four Warhammer Fantasy armies. Yeah. As well as, I'll get my coat now. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I will. Conf- well I will. I will confess. I've already confessed this on uh, another interview that I did, but I did have. Uh, a Warhammer 40k Space Marine army, um, and I'd painted it up as the um, the Tetley Bitter Space Marines, yeah. uh, and they, they were all painted like a kind of Tetley Bitter. And oh, yeah. uh, the the serious sci-fi 40k people didn't find that funny. <laughs> oh. It wasn't an official chapter, yeah. apparently. I could I could I could insult lovers of Tetley Beer by saying that um, did you use Painting was very flat, was it? Oh, very good, oh, very good, very yeah. good. Yeah, to, to be honest, Tetley, I'm more of a um, sort of a, a Masson Brewery, Timothy Taylor landlord sort of uh, beer rather than Tetley, which, like you say, was a bit. Um, but most people outside of Yorkshire would recognise Tetley with Yorkshire. So uh, that's why I, I stuck with that. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for that, Colin. It's been a great discussion on uh, big games. And uh, we'll come back in a second for everyone's favourite bit, the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. Well, welcome back, everyone. And it's that time again. It's the How Yorkshire Gamer Are You test. And uh, the current leader and uh, fellow Yorkshireman, uh, Richard Harris, is on 90%. And Dr. Chris Brown managed 80% last time. That was very good indeed. And um, 
we've got Gareth on 75, I think Gareth got on Chris Breeze, bless him, down on 60%, but there we go. Um, so um, this is this is um, the first thing that comes into your head, Colin, it's usually a yes or no or a, a choice of one or the other. And um, there is no right or wrong, as I say to the kids these days, um, it's just how close the your answers are to what mine are. Uh, so right. it's just a bit of fun. So I'll, well, given, given that I was brought up on the other side of the Pennines. Oh, yes. well, I, I, there's, there's, uh, there's one question you're definitely going to get wrong then. Right. <laughs> right. So first question, go big or go home? Go big. Go big. Uh, contrast paints, are they great or a gimmick? A gimmick. Um, when paint brushes... Windsor and Newton or Yorkshire made pro art? Oh, pro art. Good lad. Um, 96 figures. Is that an army or a pipe block? Pipe block. Uh, six by four table, big game or small? Small. A points based army or an historical order of battle? The latter, historical order of battle. Excellent. A wet palette. Or an old bit of MDF to mix your paints on? An old bit of MDF. Or in my case, an old cutting board. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, undercoat figures, uh, black or white? Oh, God. White. Although, to be honest, I do both. <laughs> would you ever... I might need to explain this, but I'll go for it. Would you ever run a list? Run a list? I will explain if you need it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's when people uh, do competition games, they like they they max out an army to give them the best possibility of winning rather than the. Oh, hell no. Yeah, excellent. No. I, thought, I thought that would be the case. Um, no. it, it's a, I, it took me a while. I had to learn what run a list was when it came out, um, and now I hate it. <laughs> so, um, when you're putting together a pipe block, do you like your figures tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. Excellent. Um, would you like a two-hour club game or a weekend monster game? Weekend monster. Uh, a competition game or a campaign game? Campaign. Uh, controversial on this one. Uh, round dice. Are they allowed or banned? Round dice? Have you not seen them? No, they're not allowed. Excellent. Yeah. Some, somebody brought them along here. Um, yeah. And we very rarely have arguments at Yorkshire Gamer, but they like rolled the dice and it like went 12 foot down the other end of the table and fell off. Yeah. Yeah, banned. Very good. Um, would you, pay, you might not understand this one, but would you pay 33 pence for a communist? Yes. <laughs> um, do you um, enjoy a set of rules that's got tables in it and charts? No. 28 mil is king. Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Unpainted miniatures allowed on the table? Yes or no? No, never. Excellent. Um, this, this, is the, this is the deal breaker question. Um, Bradford City or Leeds United as a football team? Leeds United. Oh, you've let me down. You've let me down. <laughs> yeah. um, another one you're going to let me down on, I can feel it. Um, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? The other place over the hill. Oh. And finally, uh, Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? Yes. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. One, two, three, four, oh, five. 75%. Well, that's not bad. 
Well, that's not bad at all. I, I was guaranteed to not get two of them right because yeah. of the geography. <laughs> yeah, that, so that that does that does give Richard a little bit of an advantage, um, yeah. but that, but that's uh, that, that's very good. Thank you very much for that. Um, and I've explained the thirty-three pence for a communist um, before, but I will. If you if you've not heard it, uh, we were at a game show at Triples, and we put a huge game on doing the prisoner um, escape attempt at Sante in the Vietnam War. Yeah, and. Um, SHQ miniatures were behind us um, and had a decent decent day and offered us some discounts and somebody asked me um, and it worked out at 33 pence for a VC figure and I just said I'm not paying 33 pence for a communist just off the top of my head and yeah. it stuck with me for the rest of my life unfortunately <laughs> but 75% is a grand total and it's not bad at all I demand a recount <laughs> Well, until you go for Yorkshire rather than that other place over the hill, you're never going to win, are you? No. <laughs> so we'll be back in a second, ladies and gentlemen, and yeah. we'll talk about our big topic, and that's big gaming in lockdown. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, our final section of the interview now, and... Uh, you might have noticed, um, but we've had a bit of a global pandemic thing going on, and um, that's kind of stopped our face-to-face -face gaming. And the last game here was planned for March 29th last year, and obviously we didn't do that because we'd gone into lockdown. And through various um, uh, local lockdowns and local uh, rules, we've not been able to get together and game at Yorkshire Gamer for over a year now. But some people have managed to adapt, uh, adapt and survive, a bit like Darwin said that we would. And um, Colin is one of those. And you've been doing lockdown games. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can't claim all the credit for it because <laughs> like, like, like you, I, yeah. the last game I had here with human beings around the table was um, the weekend before I had, I think. Yeah. So in the, Whenever it was, 2000, beginning of 2019. Mm. So I don't know when it was. When was it? How long have we had hammer, had uh, lockdown? It seems like a lifetime. It, it anyway. was. It was March. We we started in March last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's a and, year. Now, yeah. And then various areas have had different levels of lockdown and there was a bit where you could have six people in your house I think yeah. um, for a short period of time but we never had that because um, we're just outside Bradford and Bradford has had a particularly high infection rate and we never yeah we, yeah, we, we never, never had, had um, we never had that either yeah. so yes um, mate of mine um, Steve who lives down in Newark he was the first one to sort of try um, a remote game um, and lots of sort of um, issues with the technology and with sort of bandwidth and the ability of um, domestic broadband to deal with the, um, the technology um, but it works um, and so excuse me it, I just took it and developed it um, my wife's very technology orientated which is help which is helpful because I'm a, a Luddite really. <laughs> um, and so we experimented an awful lot with uh, different software. Um, we, we didn't use Zoom to communicate because we, none of us wanted to actually pay for the professional 
eleven pound a month. Yeah, because once once you go over more than one person, yeah, you right. have to pay, don't you? And I found I found that with the first yeah. episode I did of this, yes. um, I had two people on, and thankfully yeah. the first one you do, you get as many as you want, and it's free, and then yeah. you have to pay more. That's right, yeah. So yeah, so, so sorry, you were you were saying, yeah, and so um, we. Um, we, we, we kind of by default ended up with Skype. Um, we initially used Skype um, for the visuals as well, um, but it couldn't cope really. And it kept, everything kept on hanging and stalling and it was a nightmare. Um, and so we just developed and tried a lot more things. So now um, I've got three cameras, one at each end of the table and one on one of the long sides. Mm. which between them cover the entire table. Well, the, the end ones cover more or less the entire table each. Uh, and then the other one just covers the middle in more detail. Mm. Um, and we run those using, I'm going to just try and look up the, the software now, Logicapture and OBS. Anyone out oh, there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and got sort of quite decent decent cameras, not like sort of a third, you know, decent quality cameras. Each of those cameras, we do a, we set up a, a live stream onto YouTube. Yeah. Um, which means that the players can open each of the the, the streams um, and keep the windows open, and then they can tab between the perspectives of the different cameras as mm. they see, as they wish. Because um, prior to that, it had been down to the organizer. You know, somebody's can I have the kitchen cam, please? And I would have to go and <laughs> so now it's just set up and it runs, um, and it streams, and, um, and and the players can choose which particular camera they want to look at or to use. Um, Fog of War is a plays a big part in it, of course, because you still can't see a lot, but if there happens to be a ray of sunshine coming in, a rare occurrence in Middlesbrough, but um, it can obscure things, um. And then we just we, we we have Skype purely for um, purely for the um, the the narrative and, and the audio. I d we we do we've brussled together all of our um, computer car hardware in the house as well, and so I actually have something resembling NORAD. Here. <laughs> um, right. I've two I've got two laptops and a desktop and an independent big screen. Um, which means that each camera is operated by a separate laptop. Yeah. So, again, that doesn't affect the capacity of the computer to deal with lots of things. It's only got to deal with one thing, yeah. which in one case is camera A, the other one does camera B, the other one does camera C. Nothing else is running at all, apart from the software to support those. And then the, then the, other, the other one, the desktop, runs Skype. Um, and that has worked really well and even the the most technically challenged of my friends have, have managed quite well and that doesn't account for things like um you know internet being completely sort of wiped out because of some technical issue outside the house yeah which can be a bit annoying or saturday afternoons during lockdown everyone's downloading netflix stuff for the evening yeah or even once when it was apple, an apple upgrade time um, and because I've got an Apple, mm. you know, it started to try and upgrade itself in the middle of a game, which was a bit awkward. But it gets to a situation where 
we have the table set up with all the figures on. Prior to that, I will have organized the sides, um, asked for giving them the briefings, you know, a few pages of briefing notes, orders and battles, map yeah. of the table, photograph of the table, sometimes carefully edited photos of the table. Um, and so we're sort of set it ready to go from more, more or less the minute we get everyone gets logged on. People can plot and connive prior to the game because they've got everyone else's emails, obviously. Yep. So I'll say that Bill, Bob and Jack are on the French side. So it might be worth having a plan because you're not going to be able to speak, that kind of thing. And it does really add to the overall idea that generals are not looking through the eyes of every colonel mm. or the commander. Um, they've got certainly got big picture, um, the big picture perspective. Um, you don't know, the players don't know how what well off or how badly their units are doing unless they choose to ask. They normally forget. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, the general wouldn't necessarily know that the 17th foot's been wiped out or is down to its last pit before it will hmm. break um, and still order them to attack. So it just, it's the, the actual sort of context within which um, we play the games is relatively straightforward. Again, it's, as I say, it's just a coming together in our in our house. Thankfully, um, the, the our computers, the old computers that you never get rid of, mm. um, and um, a bit of time and patience working out how to make it all work. Um, so, th are these the same people who would physically come to your house to game? Yes. Is it the same group. Well, the except with the exception of Mark in Adelaide, yes. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we'd have the same group of people from um, down from sort of North Tyneside all the way down through to Teesside. Occasionally, as I say, people from, would have been coming down from out, to, out of the area, but they've still sort of signed up for a game as well. Brilliant. And um, as everyone, um, and I'm, I'm sure they won't listen, so you can drop somebody in it. Um, as everyone, as everyone, um, embraced it has everyone got on board with it or have you had yes. people who were more happy than others i think everyone's happy and everyone seems to be it's not so much playing the game but although that is a big thing of course but yeah. it's just the fact that it's it's a social hobby and we're wargaming and if we all we can do is wargaming using cameras and things then it's still a coming together and you're still seeing your mates you know some of them mm. some people are, some people that I game with now, I gamed with when I was in my teens. Yeah. So it's, you know, very long friendships. Um, and it's really, and, and everyone has said that it's as much um, the, 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 the social interaction that is enabled by doing these virtual remote games that as, as the actual game itself. Because I guess when you're going through lockdown, it, you know, it, it is... Well, it can be quite soul destroying, really. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, so the the social interaction is still there. I mean, I before this all started, I would have never gone anywhere near what I'm doing now with you know video yeah. calls and Zoom and Skype, etc. Um, people do seem to have accepted it and and enjoyed it, and and as you say, the the social side of it's still there. So each person who's in the game, they can still speak to each other on these calls yeah, yeah. it's all it's all open the the the, the, the audio is all is all open um through so everyone who's on the skype call can talk everyone can see each other 
Um, I can see all of the strange funny faces they might pull. Um, <laughs> so it's all, so it's all, it's all, yeah, it's as good as you can get, make it really, as far as social side is concerned. Yeah. And people enjoy, I've had everyone, everyone that takes part, they said they enjoy it and they'd far rather come and play a game around the table, but mm. um, it works and it works really well and it's fit for purpose. And given that it's the best we can hope for at the moment, yeah. then you know, I'm keep on doing it. I mean, it, so it's, a, it's, a, it's difficult. The hardest thing for me is the fact that obviously there's nobody else moving the figures. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I was going to come on to in a moment when I yeah. sort of delve deeper into some of the things that you've said. And yeah. um, so we, I may, we may as well talk about that now, now you've brought, brought it up. And um, so your table set up as it would be if everyone was there yeah. and are, are you're physically doing the physical stuff that's involved, obviously you're moving all the figures and they throw all the dice. Um, so, but I, you're having to do all the measurements, etc. Yeah. yeah. And well, how have you found? How have you found that? Obviously, it's going to take longer. But um, how have you found that in terms of speed for the games? Um, it's not really slowed the game down very much because I mean, if you think of the kind of um, multiplayer games where um, you need to do things in order, like say, for example, Black Powder, where it's like brigades at a time. Yeah. So it, or even on as a war, where it's ultimate brigades at a time. Um, it doesn't really impact on the speed of the game, or I don't think it has really. Uh, we still usually get something, get to a conclusion within the time we're allowed, what we allow yeah. ourselves anyway. Um, the biggest thing for me is that being a bit of an old crock, it can be a bit exhausting, <laughs> you know, running around the table, yeah. reach, reaching out, all the things I'm not supposed to do, having uh, because of my health, um, means that it, after a game I'm usually wrecked. But it's worth it. You know, it's emotional, yeah. it's worth it. And it gives me the buzz to do the next thing. Have you and got so, Have you got one of them step counters on your phone? Does it tell you how far you walk during a game? Yeah, I gave up because it was really, really <laughs> frightening. I said, I can't, walk, I can't walk that far in a straight line. So I'm yeah. finishing this round the table. Or you finish a game and you get a little text on your phone saying you are now a quarter of the way around the world yes yeah, <laughs> yeah it's amazing how far how far you can go um, just pottering around um do, doing stuff um so what size of games have you been playing have you have you reduced the size of games that you've played or have you carried on with, with what you would normally do i've just done whatever tickle my fancy really or whatever anyone might want might want to do i mean obviously recently Recently, um, I've run some War of eighteen twelve games. You know, so I mean, the Americans and the British—they don't have very big armies, um, but I use a one to ten figure scale, so the, there's plenty of figures to play with on the table, and there's usually three or four commands, yeah. uh, enough to keep someone going. Um, I—I'm um, going to digress now. I remember once we do refighting. Refighting the relief of Vienna in 1680, wherever it was, you know, when the, yeah. the Poles, the Poles, and the, um, the Imperial German troops tried drove the Turks off. Um, the charge of the, of the Polish winged yeah, hussars. One of the one of the commanders of the German uh, and um, Catholic League troops lost his entire command in two moves. Oh my God! 
Sorry, he was just twiddling his stomach for the rest of the day. It was all, for all he had an early bath by about 11 o'clock. But as a rule, everyone keeps going during the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I might have 30, 40 units aside. Yeah. You know, quite large, really. I don't know. But, but it's not, it's not fundamentally changed the way you think about um, setting up a game. Not at all, no. It's what it's, you know, I mean, if I wanted to do the refight of, as I do every year, the refight of uh, Rostock in Lothian, then mm. um, I'd do that anyway, regardless of whether or not it's a real game or a, a remote game. Um, Has it required any changes to rules, for example? Um, no, not really, because I mean, I, I already have a few sort of house rules that are used for mm. any any rules that I use because I don't, might not like what they do. Yeah, so, I think um, most for most people are, yeah. uh, do or, that, don't they? Or, or in the case of certain certain rules, you know, I mean, you could almost change the covers of the book and it's still and they'd be the same. Yeah, um, uh, not wishing to name any names. No, I can think of them, but yes, I know yeah. what you're talking about. But um, it's all um, it's a matter of scale, really. You just sort of. Whatever I could do before, I just carry on doing now. And if it becomes unmanageable, then I'll stop. But so far, touch wood, mm. um, it's not. And um, we've sort of briefly touched on this, but you, you reckon it, it's not taking any longer? It doesn't take. No, much oh, sorry, yeah, I didn't answer that question, did I? No, it doesn't. No, no, the preparation's the same. Um, I can pace myself when it comes to setting the thing up, mm. um, and I can pace myself when it comes to putting it all away again. Um, and the actual game, say, will start about ten thirty, and will always be finished by four, sometimes mm. four thirty, with a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, so luckily, we've been um, we've been able to get you know a good days gaming out of it. I think one of the one of the luxuries um, that people have with their own setups um, is that time isn't so much of a of a driving factor when it comes to rules and and finishing games i mean certainly here um we you know we'll, we'll have a fish and chip lunch on way for gaming on a saturday or a sunday um yeah. and if you know if there's a football match on we might finish at four o'clock and if we haven't finished a game then we'll just leave it up and come back on a tuesday uh, yeah. and, and that makes a difference to the sorts of rules that you can you can play doesn't it yeah yeah i mean i I've had quite a few games when we were when I um, last year I ran a French Revolutionary Wars campaign set in Flanders mm. in 1793, um, and it was necessary then to um, have games run over sometimes from one Saturday to the next, um, yeah. purely because they needed to be finished, um, yeah. and, and to 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 wrap, wrap them up there without a definite conclusion wouldn't have been into mm. the basis of the campaign. Would have been a waste of time, really. No worries. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end now, um, but just just before we we finish, um, uh, do you think that um, now we've 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 got these um, virtual games that it's going to carry on in some respect post COVID? I think it could well do in some in some um, in some areas. Certainly, um, mm. I mean. I suppose once we get back to the new normal, it won't there won't be an issue if my mate in Adelaide wants to take part in a game and he can yeah. remotely and the others can be there anyway. 
um, it may get to a point where we can have one person round, in which case I've got my figure mover. Yep. Um, I did your, think your was, minion. Yeah, I did think of a creep. Well, I did have a couple of we did have a couple of instances in the early days of lockdown where you could have one person around. Yeah. Where we had figure movers, and it was very much a matter of trying to keep control of the game because yeah. they were obviously very partisan because they were also right. oh, playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but but yeah, I think it will still be. Um, why not? Why wouldn't there be a, re a reason to have a remote wargaming setup as well as? Um, a real one. It depends on what you need. What you, yeah. what you can, I think. I think there's there's a, there's a yearning um, from from all of us to get physically back around the table. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, this but this has opened up um, a new lot of possibilities. Um, I was I was just thinking about it before we started the chat, and I was I was thinking years and years and years ago, I played in a game where. Um, and it was quite experimental for us, but I, I sat in a room on my own, and I remember that I painted my World War II Japanese fleet whilst doing it, and I was commander of uh, the Confederate forces at an American Civil War battle, mm -hmm. and there was another lad who was sat in another room. Uh, we knew a lad who had a big house, um, and he was com commander of the Union, and we basically, all we got were messages backwards and forwards from the table, and a yeah. quick look at the table before the game started. Um, and that that kind of thing would be very much possible, wouldn't it, with, yeah. with the virtual thing, to have a, a CNC from Adelaide. Yeah. Passing stuff down and overviewing and yeah. telling people what to do. Yeah. It certainly, it certainly um, there's no reason why not, and the technology is there. So it's, it's actually quite, you know, one of the good things to come out of the pandemic is that mm. it's opened up new... New means of playing war games, really, across the world, almost. Very I mean, much so. Get the time zone right. There's nothing, with, nothing to say you couldn't have somebody in Australia and somebody in the states, as well as most of the people in the UK. I think a lot of people in the states, from 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 what I uh, pick up on social media, struggle to find um, people who play games locally to them. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of them would jump at the opportunity to yeah. to play in these sorts of games. Yeah. Um, one thing I did have a write a question down when we were talking earlier on, and I forgot to mention it. Um, did you ever think about um, moving or roving camera positions? Did have a, we did have a roving camera, mm. but because of the fact that it, if it was wireless, it tended to hang up occasionally. Right. Um, and if it had a wire, it was a trip, a trip hazard. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's then, so, yeah. Then, then uh, that was an idea that was swiftly booted into touch. Yeah. And the cameras, you can zoom in and everything and pan mm. a little bit. So. Yeah, really I, did, I didn't know whether it would be possible to, because I'm a Luddite very similar to yourself. I didn't know whether it would be possible to have like a commander's eye cam, if you like. It's possible. It is possible, but the, there are it's a there are other technical issues that for me it wasn't worth it really. Um it yeah, it just wasn't worth it. Well, thank you very much for for, for your time today, Colin. It's been uh, it's been a great chat about all things gaming and with a slant on the big games, which we kind of want to do with this podcast. Um, 
<laughs> um, before I let you go, I always let people have an opportunity to ask me a question if they can think of one. War games related, I might add. Yeah. <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to ask me before I let you go? Yeah, can I buy your Italian wars? <laughs> <laughs> How much is your house worth? Because that's what it's going to cost. <laughs> No, um, that's, that's very yeah. kind of you. Uh, yeah. That that army has got me a lot of um, a lot of attention, shall we say? Yeah. Um, and I very much enjoyed it, and I've, I'm very much looking forward to getting it on the on the table as well. Yeah. But if well, you if you win the lottery at the weekend, Colin, give me a ring. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm no, sure okay. we can come up with something. <laughs> I've got nowhere to put it, and I've got more than enough. Uh, well, is there, is there such thing as more than enough? There is, yeah. yeah. Well, brilliant, Colin. Thanks once All again. Right. Lovely. Thank you. Cheers. Bye now. See you then. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Colin. And um, it was a something I wanted to try with this podcast was getting people on who'd not done podcasts before and um, I hope you've enjoyed it I hope you've enjoyed listening to new people um, involved in the hobby and it, it's joy people seem to be quite nervous when they first start the interview and by the end um, we're just chatting away like two old mates which which is what most war gamers do to be honest uh, with that shared uh, love of the hobby and uh, people on this show the shared love of the big game as well so if we go back to episode three and uh, that wonderful interview with Dr. Chris Brown, and uh, as we discussed in that interview, Chris is quite a um, well-known author, and he do- very, very kindly donated one of his books, uh, Nine Days of Battle, um, a, a book about the Arnhem conflict, and uh, we put that up, or I've put that up as a prize, and... Um, we have 76 followers on Podbean at the moment, and I said I'd give a, an extra chance to win to anyone who put a comment in the uh, comment section on Podbean. And there were a couple of them. A couple of people got an extra uh, chance to win. So there were 78 people went into the grand prize draw. And the winner of Chris Brown's book is a D5 Pup. That's Delta 5 Papa Uniform Papa. D5 Pup. Um, and wonderfully, I've done this and then I've realised that I can't contact people via Podbean, which wasn't very clever, but there we go. Um, so, D5 Pup, if you're out there, um, I've got no method of contacting you other than you contacting me. And um, drop me an email via yakshagamer at gmail.com or through the comments on this or any of the previous episodes and we'll make sure that you get hold of your copy of that wonderful book. Um, I've drawn a reserve just in case I can't hold, get hold of D5 Pup and um, I'll announce that uh, in the next episode if we can't. But hopefully um, D5 Pup will be in contact with us and we'll get that book off to them very shortly. So we can look forward to the next episode now. Episode 5, the guest, um, hopefully, will be Mark Freeth. Mark runs the War Games Holiday Centre, which used to be up here in Yorkshire, and we spoke about in episode 2 with Richard Harris, and he had some very fond memories of it. Uh, since it's moved down south, I've kind of lost contact with what's going on with uh, the War Games Holiday Centre, so it would be great to contact uh, Mark and, and chat with him about 
uh, how things are now with the War Games Holiday Centre and if you can't do a big game at home and you can't be bothered to paint all the figures then go down to a War Games Holiday Centre these people have got massive massive collections and you can play some of the biggest games you will ever see so I'm looking forward to that hopefully we will be releasing that episode on the 23rd of April and until then look after yourselves and City.